0: This is Catalog and Cocktails. Presented by Data.World.
1: With that, lightning round. Lightning round presented by, hey, we've got to thank Data.World who lets us do this. I'm having freaking whiskey on Wednesday to do this. So, All right, got to kick it off. Lightning round. Question number one. Fast forward 10 years. Is there a metadata graph at the heart of every enterprise's data platform? No. I love this honesty right here. Okay, expand on that a little bit. I need to...
2: For for the reason I I think we said, which is, I mean, enterprises can be small, medium, large. Um, You don't need it in every single place. I can imagine in large enterprises, some people taking a more traditional approach in some areas and others saying actually, you know, whether it's in a region or whether it's in some kind of environment where we collaborate and building stuff, We've chosen a select set of data sources that we bring into a graph because actually we want to do some interesting stuff with that. So, I think putting all of your, you know, it's it's like when people say, "Get all the data governed." Really, <laughs> you need to do that? <laughs> so, I think there's different approaches for different bits, and not all and not all of it needs graph, even in a big enterprise. So, no,
0: it's not going to be one size fits all. No, no. that makes sense. I think that's very fair. Um, and 10 years, although it feels like a long time, isn't as much time as one might think. Right. Um, all right. Second question for you, instead of yes or no, this is actually going to be multiple choice. So we talked about kind of an integration, golden record and context kind of category of things. Right. We talked about search and we talked about this, the map and the lineage and sort of the relationships. Right. If you had to pick one, which of those is the most important? <clears throat>
2: I actually think some combination of the first two right uh, I think the third one I understand from the perspective of people who work in data IT platforms that you know I want to know where all the data goes that's great and I, I'm not downplaying that but the value the real value is in the combination of the first two right so so the example of like the customer that I talked about I mean how, how many millions billions have been spent globally on trying to master customer data right? And every five years, the same companies buy a new MDM tool to master. It's like, haven't you guys solved this problem already? (laughs) How much have we spent on this, right? So I really think that that customer thing of connecting data and searching through that and discovering your version of customer with your attributes that make sense for you, that is just super powerful. That's super powerful.
1: All right, next question. Defensive use cases, risk, protect, security, offensive use cases, new products, new insights, new value creation. Will the offensive use case ultimately win out? For graphs, yeah. <clears throat> For
2: graphs, yeah. Because actually, I think to solve the risk use case, yeah. You know, I mean, to be fair, graphs make it a lot easier to identify risk, right? Like, what's the risk of this data? Well, you know, I, I, can, I can know that, but I can see the implications. So I think graph makes it easier to detect the the impact of risk and it makes it easier to understand the value of data and unlock the value of data. But I think the, there's a big change for me, which is if you want to have the graph conversation, I, I think it's easy to talk about manual approaches when you're talking about risk because, like, okay, there's a fine, let's avoid it. I think going and saying, let's build a knowledge graph to avoid a fine, it's like, do we need to do that? But I think if you have a value-focused conversation around graph, you're suddenly saying, actually, there's a lot of valuable stuff we could build there, and there's all these products at the moment that you're not going to be able to build. And you, you want to do a digital DeFi exchange? You need, you need graph metadata. So I, I think it's a value-driven conversation, uh, which we'll is good. So as data people, we want to have value conversations, right? We, we, don't, we don't want to risk all the time.
0: Well, in your comment there about risk, just made me start to have a bunch of thoughts around sort of the interplay between graphs on one end, one side, and then like. Policies, processes, workflows on the other side, but that, that's going to have to be a topic for another day because I think that there's a whole interesting thing to explore there. Yeah. Um, all right, last uh, lightning round question for you Do you need to have a graph expert or be one to get started with metadata and graphs?
2: Depends what you mean by get started, right? Um, I, I think to get started on laying the, building the appetite, which I think is where you start, I don't think you need a graph expert. Um, you know, I, I know this is the no sales show, but I, th- I think you need someone more like me or <laughs> someone <laughs> <laughs> like, right, so sorry, apologies. But, but yeah, I think you need someone who can just talk, and that could be you, could be someone in the business, maybe a business sponsor, maybe somebody on the business who gets it, who can advocate for you. I always think that's how you get started. But if you mean get started, as in developing stuff, then yeah, you, you need you need to get a graph expert in to explain to you what's the challenges, and, and also like how how much can you buy off in one go, like like realistically, how much data sources and challenges do you actually want to take? Because there'll be there'll be a question eventually. Somebody will come and say, "What are we doing with this?" And if you've bitten off more than you can chew, you're going to be in trouble, right? So I definitely take some yeah. technical advice.
0: No, that's I think that's some really good advice. And yeah, every once in a while. You know, even we see folks who will say, you know, oh yeah, we want to put everything in the graph. It's kind of to your point about like, you know, I want to govern all the data, right? And it's like, woof like so you want to go straight for that, huh? Well, may- why don't we focus on the use case and what's needed for the use case? So I think I think that's valuable advice, and and it sounds like you can if get started means more the business angle, like hey, let me get, build excitement, sponsorship, figure out the right value and use case sounds like you don't necessarily need to be a graph expert. If you want to take things to the next level, you really want to kick off some development and things like that, then then having that skill set becomes really important.
2: Well, we'll keep Mark Kitson
0: on standby. All right. <laughs>
1: all, all right. We got TTT t- 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 time. Tim, take us away with takeaways.
0: All right. I think one of the biggest things that we started with here was around the fact that metadata... Well, maybe it didn't always used to be a graph problem. I'm sure you can argue that graph could have been interesting back a while ago, that it's now becoming a graph problem. There's sort of this pre-graph world and this post-graph uh, kind of world where now it is it is very valuable and, and, and things have shifted a little bit over time. Um, metadata on the web always was a graph, right? Um, and now we're starting to look at how it can apply to our own data infrastructure, data architectures. Um, The web is really about discovery, Um, and similarly, like kind of in our own environments, right, this helps not just with the discovery, but also trying to create from the data. Uh, Previously, in the pre-graph world, um, you had the data, and you had a specific use for that data, a specific meaning of that data. Usually things were in a much more structured environment, uh, and based on the, you know, a set of assumptions, you kind of designed for certain use cases. And so things were a lot clearer. You're designing up front, kind of curating up front. Usually you're pairing it with certain workflows and documentation. So metadata was a little bit more cut and dry, a little more structured in that environment. But then once you started to get into this situation where you don't necessarily know what metadata matters... Um, really the users and different use cases are setting the parameters for the requirements, not the designer of the data pipeline and the applications upstream and that metadata that matters to person A or use case A may not matter to person or use case B. Now all of a sudden enter graph and now graph can have a really big impact here. And this inflection point happened where you've got um, sort of different contexts, different use cases. You've got, different regulations coming in and those add additional kind of uh, context on top of this. Um, you've got different um, uh, sort of, you know, structured versus unstructured data lakes versus, uh, you know, warehouses, uh, lake houses. Um, you know, all of this environment is, it's, it creates this like multi-dimensional um, matrix that we have to navigate. And hey, there's a technology that helps us with that, right? It's called a graph. Um, And so I I think this set up a really good kind of context for like why maybe graph didn't have its moment in the world of metadata management before, but now knowledge graphs, metadata and graph is really having a bigger impact. And and Juan, what about you? What, What were your big takeaways? So
1: first of all, I love how we got to these three very concrete use cases we could take away. So what are the use cases of having metadata in the graph? Number one, it's about integration and context, right? You you can't have, and can't have, consider anymore having the golden record of a customer. You need to have that customer graph because there's just so many relationships. Businesses are dynamic; circumstances changes, right? You can't. You, you need to be able to have that be support the, being very dynamic and deal with the different contexts, right? You can build a graph that pulls in all the observations together and have different lenses, different contexts around that. So that's number one. It's Connecting, integrating data, and providing different contexts. Second, it's about search, right? So before, metadata has just been focusing on docu- on documenting, right? But now we're seeing that metadata is being used for search and discovery, and that effectively is a graph problem. It's about relationships. I mean, look at Google. Like You go Google and you search. You get your knowledge panel, which is a graph and everything, Google's knowledge graph. And third, it's about really creating that map. And the issue is that the map isn't there isn't linear anymore right it's again you don't just have this simple stream of data right and the simple stream that goes into the data warehouse it's done it's like again things are very dynamic things start changing it, it go, people goes branches all over the place it's not just system a to b to C it gets very much more complex and that graph helps you navigate that map right I can understand now, is my data worth something? What is it? How I can check the value? I can check the usage of it, understand the dependencies, and figure out help me to go plan things. I have a very detailed map. So I love those three things that we came up to, and then talking about the outcomes. Like basically, so what? Show me the money. This is this next part is how you should start the conversation with your the sponsors. Is biggest thing is value. So if you're looking at if you're focusing on metadata, this for dealing with risk, then you probably don't need the graph but you're going to start talking about value, starting going, doing valuable things with your data, generating those new products. That's where the graph is going to come in. And definitely it does help to accelerate your governance. It helps to accelerate uh, your risk. And like you said, agile data governance and metadata and a graph, that's a dangerous and perfect combination you need to have. And I think third, it helps you to drive that data culture that you need to go do. And finally, how to start, well, Question is, what are you going to do with your metadata? I mean, this, this is the thing. If you're just focusing on your traditional known use case of risk, maybe you don't need that. But if you're trying to run a data analytics function that has hundreds of users and you're generating data products, like that something is going to lend itself to a graph. Um, who's going to benefit from this? Like who has a, who's putting skin in the game here? At the end of the day, like this knowledge and these connections don't happen automatically. Like somebody, teams need to be part of it. They need to go build and add to the graph. So who's going to be part of that? Uh, and then finally, like don't start the conversation with your executive sponsors with technical things about graph right start with this last part of the podcast and uh and then go go reverse <laughs> you do what did we anything we missed anything to add
2: no i think that's it i, I think what's really exciting is that you know for the, the it, you know we often talk about data in a risk avoidance conversation i think the graph puts it squarely in the value space and that <laughs> that's where I'm going to be. I don't want to be talking about how data is going to avoid if I want to talk about how data is going to help you build cool stuff. Right. And I think that that's, that's where the knowledge graph comes in. That's really exciting.
1: Awesome. All right. We'll throw it back to you to wrap up three questions. One, what's your advice about data, about life? Second, who should we invite next? And third, what resources do you follow?
2: Um, okay. I mean, we covered quite a few data advice, but maybe I'll go down the life advice stuff. Um, I don't know, I'll never be a life guru. I, 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 you know, I, um, I I try and stay kind of organized with my time, and I There's a thing about you know, habits of effective people. I'm sure you've read the book, right? About your sphere of influence, right? And how if you allow yourself to just get sucked into stuff that you can't control, you're going to be all over the place, right? You've got to defend your square, right? So Recently, I was there's a CDI I'm kind of working with who really frustrated does, you know, basically doesn't know what his job is. And we spent the last two weeks going, this is what you can do in this business, given how it is and helping him present to his COO to go, this is what I think my job is. This is what I want to right? Sort of so I think on a personal level, I think, you know, know your space right like what are you responsible for well what's the value you're going to add where are you not in competition with others and how can you brand yourself as that deliverer of value without making yourself responsible for all the all the noise right so i think that was my personal advice to people in
1: data know your which, space i
2: love that and know your space yeah mm-hmm. all
1: right who should we invite next
2: um actually i think on that so so th- th- there's, there's almost there's, there's uh two people i kind of Quickly thought of right. So there's a guy, um, Sam Sharma. He was having drinks with us in London the other day, uh, and the reason I mention him is because his his podcast is all just CDO people. It's not consultants like me. It's all people who are actually kind of doing the job, right? It's not people who talk, you know, rubbish like me on you know people, These are people who do the job, right? Um, I think they they would he'd probably be a, have some really interesting insights about the struggles people are facing and whether people have tried to have these conversations and because again, sometimes as a consultant, I can come in and kind of say all this nice stuff, but I you know your world is the reality of your world right so I think that's interesting there's also a chap called Eric Broder I've spoken to a couple of times, and he put out some interesting stuff about using team topologies for data, and so we had some really interesting conversations about. Moving away from thinking of the data organization as BAU, like head of governance, head of engineering, and thinking of your data op model as team topologies, which is how do I set up teams to go build some stuff? So I think that's a really interesting thing that he and I were talking about collaborating on, which is data op models, which are all about delivery as opposed to, yeah, you say, I, know, I think that's a, that, that is, I think, is an interesting topic to
1: get into him. Uh, like that's right. great. I've been talking to Samir, uh, and I think we, we we're going to figure out how to get him on the podcast too. Uh, so, yes. And then uh, Eric Berta, I've been seeing a lot of his content. I'm really excited you brought him up. I think definitely should have him on the podcast. So, Eric, listen, we're, we'll be reaching out. So, uh, finally, last question. What, what resources do you follow?
2: Um, I mean, I mean, I, I listen to you guys, right? <laughs> so, um, Thank you. <laughs> um, I, I do go to conferences, but if I'm honest, a lot of conferences just like vendor speak and it reminds me of that stuff. We, you know, I used to work in, Previous organisations where people get their 15 minutes to present their projects, like, great. So what, right? I, I think books and honestly people, right? I, I think the most valuable lessons I've learned is just meeting people and listen and listen to them. And it's not formal presentations, like it's graphs, right? It's graphs in real life, right? <laughs> it's the power of network. That's that's the real value. Let's get out and talk to people. You know, build a graph.
1: Build a graph of your life. So,
0: you know. <laughs> build your build your graph of people. <laughs> there you
1: go. Well, before we say goodbye, just a reminder: next week we have Brian T. O'Neill, who's the founder and principal of Designing for Analytics. Uh, you, I love following him on LinkedIn. He talks all these things about user experience when it comes to data products, and we're going to be talking about his biggest pain, which is adoption. Why don't? Why is it so hard to have adoption for the data products that are being generated? So, I'm really excited for that conversation next week. And with that, Mohammed. Thank you so much for just having this awesome conversation about the two topics that I'm so passionate about in life. There's many more topics that I'm passionate about. Metadata and graphs, thank you so much.
0: Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.